wanted to encourage you, and what we're going to do on Mother's Day and also on Father's Day, we're going to deal with the home, and uh, together, and uh, spend some time dealing with the home, and in Daniel chapter number one, you find a, a key statement that I know will be a, an encouragement to you, one that we've heard before, one we've read before, uh, but if I could encourage you today, there's so much uh, that could be said on Mother's Day, and this morning, there are mothers that are here presently, and, and there are homes that are represented, and as you think about Mother's Day, there are probably a lot of emotions as well. Some of you have come and you've lost your mother, some of you are a mother, some of you are expecting to be a mother, some of you uh, think of not only your mother, but maybe even another individual that took you under their wing and that was like a mother to you, and there's so many different people and influences in our lives, and on this Mother's Day, you think about the blessing of, of the home and all that the Lord has intended for the home, and for you moms that have come to the house of God this morning, I wonder if you were to wonder one day, how are you going to be defined as a mother? Is it going to be said that you were the fun mother? Is it going to be said that you were the, the caring mother or the, uh, the, the nurturing mother? Is it going to be said that you were the teaching mother, the, uh, the, the goofy mother, the silly mother? I mean, we could go on and on and on. Is it going to be said that you were the, the good mother, the pure mother, the godly mother? I mean, as you begin to think about what the Lord has instilled in your heart and what you tried to do or are trying to do as a, as a mother, and one day as your children begin to define you, you know, you think about children and they go to school and at the age of three or four they get these little worksheets and they say, my mother, and it has a bunch of these questions on them. My mother is awesome at what? And some of them will say mac and cheese, you know, random things like that. My favorite thing to do with my mother is this, and all these many questions, and there's going to come a day whenever that child is no longer three years old, but now that child is 40 or 50 years old, and they look back and they think about that, that mother. Fathers here today, the same could be asked of you. What are you going to be defined by? What is it going to be described, if you would? A caring father, a, a loving father. And on this Mother's Day, you come to a portion of Scripture that I want to encourage you because one of the things that I know to be evident in many, if not all, of the mothers here today is that you have prayed or you continuously pray for your children. I pray that it's the latter that you continuously pray. I pray that it's not such a, a thing where you have prayed once for your child or twice, but that you have a habit of praying for your children. As you come to the book of Daniel, you come to a portion of Scripture that there is one statement that stands out, but I don't believe it's a statement that stands out in the life of Daniel just by happenstance, if you would. I don't think it's coincidence. I don't think it's just something that just happened one day. But I believe all throughout Scripture you find that there are biblical examples of mothers that, that cared for their children and that raised their children. You think about Samuel that we dealt with last week. And as you go and you look at the life of Samuel and you look at his mother's prayer, the prayer started with the Lord and it continued with the Lord and it was given to the Lord. And you think about mothers and you think about today and Mother's Day and all the blessings that come with that. And you see, today we're living in a day and hour where the home is being attacked constantly. You think about all the attacks that are on the home. You think about mothers and fathers trying to raise their children, and there are oftentimes whenever you're trying to do the right thing, and the world scoffs at you. You're trying to raise your children for God, and the world is mocking you and, and saying, it's just not a big deal. Why do you have to do this? As we come to the book of Daniel, notice with me one statement that is found in verse number 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart. 
Daniel purposed in his heart. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to the wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter number 6, you go and you begin to see the upbringing of the children and the, the challenge that is put forth there. Go with me for just a moment, if you would, to uh, Psalm 127. In Psalm 127, as you come to this verse, it's a, a portion of Scripture that you've probably read many, many times. But in Psalm 127, the Bible says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh up, but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Verse number 3, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. That statement at the very beginning of verse number 3, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. You think about children. You think about parents, you think about the home today. And we're celebrating Mother's Day right at this very moment. Father's Day is just around the corner. It'll be here before you know it. And again, I emphasize that the home is being attacked. Fathers are being attacked. Mothers are being attacked. And this is the world in which we are living in today. In our Sunday school hour just a couple of days ago or weeks ago, and even on a Wednesday night, I shared that there was a, a law that's being tr uh, trying to be passed in California where you have up to 28 days before you can make the decision whether you want to keep a child or not. And by keep a child, I do not mean put into foster care or put up for adoption. I mean killing a child after 28 days. You say, that's the type of world we're living? That's the type of world we're living in. If you were to stand up and you were to proclaim that you are uh, a child of God and that you are pro-life and you are pro-home and you are pro-all of these things and the, the things that the Word of God begins to deal with, you would be mocked and scoffed and people would look at you a little funny. That is the world that we are living in and people are beginning to shy away because, hey, I don't want to offend someone. Listen, if there needs someone today who needs to hear that I am pro-life, then I hope it offends you because the Word of God says to be pro-life. We're living in a world today where there are so many attacks on the home and so many attacks on the children and the parents. And I pray today that we would have some parents, that we would have some fathers who would pray for the mothers of their children. You know, I was sharing this with Kelly, but Mother's Day is a wonderful blessing to her. And it's, a, it's, a, it's a, an, an awesome day for her. It's a, it's a joy for her. It's a dream come true for her. But Mother's Day is also a dream come true for me because I get to see her parent my children. Mother my children. See, it's a dream come true for her, but it's a dream come true for me because I'm so thankful for what God has done in her life in bringing up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, that she has done such an awesome job. And I know many of you husbands out there today, you echo that exact same thing because you pray for your, mother, you pray for your wife who is the mother of your children. And as you come to Daniel chapter number 1, verse number 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart. That statement is a statement that has been preached on at youth camps. It's been preached on at youth conferences. It's been preached on in churches. It's been dealt with so many, many times. And one of the things that as I was beginning to pray and ask the Lord to give me some direction and give me some guidance on what to preach, I began to think about Daniel. Daniel, I do not believe, was Daniel just because of his name. I don't think it just happened that way. 
As you begin to look through history and you begin to look at some of the, the great heroes of the faith, you begin to look back and trace back that they had mothers who were praying for them. They had fathers who were raising them. They had a home that was trying to instill on, into them that, hey, God's way is the best way. And my prayer is that today that we would have some homes that would be strengthened that would say, hey, I want to pray that my child will be strengthened. That they would know what they know and that they would do what they know to be right. The Bible says in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. You know, there are was a statement made many years ago by an individual, and as he was dealing with the, the subject of, of teaching and training, it's something that has continued to echo in my mind when it comes to the upbringing of children and the raising of children. He said, we will never reach the heart of the children if all we do is teach them, but we never train them. You think about that. This morning, we could spend hours upon hours teaching the children in our church, what the Bible says, but if we don't train them to live for God, we're missing it. You know how much knowledge I have from high school and middle school that I don't use today? There are things that I was taught but never trained to do. There are things that I look back now and I see as a pastor now and as serving the Lord that there are some things that I was not only taught but I was also trained to do as well. Now, I wonder today, where you fall into these things? Where do you fall when it comes to the, the upbringing of your children? I believe every parent here this morning would look at verse number 8 and say, I pray that my child purposes in their hearts some things, that they would not defile themselves. Notice what the Bible says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Growing up, I remember that there were times whenever I didn't like that my parents made me do something. Any children out here like that? Any of you teenagers like that? You got some, got some hands raised? Every, every one of us probably have our hands raised. But now I look back and I say, I get it. I understand. They weren't telling me not to do something because they didn't want me to do something just not to have fun, but they were trying to protect me. There were some friends that I wasn't allowed to hang around. There were some places I wasn't allowed to go. There were some things I wasn't allowed to do. There were some movies I wasn't allowed to watch. There were some music I wasn't allowed to listen to. There were some habits that I wasn't able to form because my parents said, not in this house. The only thing that I disagree with, and I say this publicly on live stream, if your child wants to take a 10-minute shower, don't limit it to three minutes. It's the only thing I disagree with. A couple of years ago, this is actually after we had gotten married, growing up, some of you dads are probably like this, but my, my stepdad is a, it's like 74, 75 degrees in their house in summer. I am like a 64 degree guy, okay? And so growing up, anytime we'd touch the thermostat, he would, it was I mean, he'd say, when you pay the bills, you can touch the thermostat. That's what he'd say. And so they came to visit. We had just gotten married, and he, he was complaining that it was cold in the house. I remember I said, when you pay the bills, you can touch the thermostat. <laughs> he just started, he said, I knew that was coming one day. I said, oh, yeah. I mean, we keep it like an igloo. I, I don't like to be hot. And I think about all the many memories growing up 
And I know that there are so many different families here this morning that are represented. There may be a family that is struggling with some decisions that have to be made right this very moment. Can I share with you, follow God even if it's the hard thing? I look back, and one of the hardest decisions my parents had to make, but now I look back and I see that it was probably the easiest decision for them to make, was moving from Columbus, Indiana to Columbus, Georgia, because they said, we need to reach our children. I mean, we were, we were upset. I was upset. Kelly can share story after story about the first services that I went to back at Maranatha Baptist Church in Columbus, Georgia, and, I mean, all the many things. I sat over in the corner. I wore an Army jumpsuit the very first service I ever went to. Green, green pants, green jacket, white T-shirt, and I sat over in the corner and I just played on my phone the entire time the youth service was going on. I was a punk, and uh, I didn't want anything to do with Georgia. I didn't want anything to do with that church. I didn't want to be there. I had my whole life planned. As we said last week, then Jesus stepped in. And I went to a youth camp, and I, I ended up getting saved, and then all of a sudden I, I was called to preach, and I went to Bible college, and then I came here, and now I'm pastoring. And all of that, I stem back to a time when my parents said, hey, they, they only have four years left. It probably would be good to just let him finish those years. He's about to go into high school. He has all of those friends. They said, no, no, no. If he stays, we're not going to reach him. So I made the difficult decision to move to Columbus, Georgia, and all of that that I just spoke of happened. There might be a family here this morning that's saying, hey, uh, we, we, we've got to make some decisions, otherwise we're going to lose our children. Can I share with you, follow God. This morning there might be some, some children or some parents here that you're praying. Maybe you have a child that is wayward. Can I share with you, don't stop praying. I was thinking back a couple of months ago, occasionally I'll go back and I'll just watch our church services. I just like to see, you know, new members and things changing and, and just how the Lord's working. And I went back to a service, and in that service, it, uh, there was a, a time when I, I remember the, the exact time I was preaching on the, the prodigal son. I can't remember which one of you boys. It was one of you boys I had to go all the way out in the back. And it was entitled The Other Son. And that, that child walking in after that, that dad had been praying, after that prodigal son had left and wanted his own and went and uh, slept in the hog pen and did all of the mess that he did, and then he came back, and what the father do? Wrapped his arms around him. And there are some of you that might be praying about a child that's wayward and is no longer in church, no longer serving the Lord, no longer wanting anything to do with God. Can I encourage you, don't stop praying. Maybe there's a parent here that you're, you're praying that the Lord would continue to work. Maybe your child is on fire for God. Can I encourage you, continue to encourage them in the Lord. You see, every family is somewhere today. Every mother is somewhere, every father is somewhere, every child is somewhere. We're all somewhere right this very moment. The Lord is dealing with each of us in a season. And as you come to Daniel chapter number 1, you come to a statement that is one of the most famous statements in all of Scripture, but Daniel purposed in his heart. And I believe it's with all of our heart's desire that we want the Lord to work in our children's lives. And we say, Lord, I want you to take this child and, and do something great with this child. And that might mean that there need to be some parents who say, by the grace of God, I'm going to stand with God. I'm not going to flow with all of the world. I'm not going to go this way with the wind, but I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to parent my child based upon this book right here. Can I share with you that there's always going to be circumstances that are changing. There's always going to be different ways to go because of all of the new things and the new fads and all of the things that you are trying to stay up to date with. But God is never changing. He stays the same. Stick with the book. 
You say, oh, I want my child to be, be liked by everyone. Listen, your child, if he's liked by everyone, but if he's wrong in his standing with God, you've missed it. You say, well, I want them to be popular. Who cares if they're popular if they don't have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, look, we've got Jackson, Holly, and Charlie. If all three of them are, are the biggest nerds in the world and only have each other as friends, but they know Jesus Christ is their personal Savior, I'm okay with that. I mean, I don't want them to be nerds, but just kidding. For all the nerds out there, that's not a joke at you. I just, I wasn't one of the chosen ones to be a nerd. I, I wasn't very smart growing up, all right? But I think you get what I'm saying. Stick with the book. Follow God. Notice with me four things that you see in this portion of Scripture. If you want your child to be able to live a Daniel 1.8 verse, let's take it a step back, a Daniel 1.8 life, purposing in their heart that they would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And you might be looking at Daniel 1 and 8, and you might be saying, well, what's the big deal? I mean, even if they do it every once in a while, even if they sin every once in a while, well, number one, that's a poor mentality to have, not a biblical one by any means. But you say, well, what's the big deal? Well, fast forward, if you would. Verse number 20, it says this, And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better. That's the big deal. Ten times better. They stood head and shoulders above the rest because they lived for God and stood with God and said, I'm not going to just go in this direction. I'm not just going to flow with the world this way. I'm going to stand right here and stand firm. You say, I want my child to live out Daniel 1.8. Four things we see. Number one, pray for your child to purpose in their heart. It's one thing to tell your child to purpose in their heart. It's another thing to pray that they would. Pray that they would purpose in their heart. You know, there are some times when I look back and and I see that the Lord began to work all these things out. You ever look back in certain seasons of life and you look back and you really see that the Lord's hand truly was there in the midst of it all along? You say, now I see. Now I see it all. Now I see it all working out. And I go back to certain times in my whole life and even just a couple of years ago and I look back and I say, now I see it. Now I see it. You see, there are some, some young people here, and there are even some parents here, that you are, you are praying that the, the Lord would show that child their purpose. Can I encourage you to pray that that child purposes in their heart? You see, young people here this morning, can I share with you that God does have a purpose in your life? He has a purpose for you. You might be here and you might be saying, oh, I'm just a 16-year-old boy, or I'm just this, or I'm just that, and you, you might be thinking, you know what, what's the big deal? God is the big deal. You know, I think back, and I was looking back just a couple of years ago, and I remember the Lord began to deal with me, and, and, and I, I began to think about me as a pastor, because every preacher is trying to find themselves as a preacher, but even pastors are trying to find themselves as a pastor. Who am I? How, what does the Lord have for me? Because you look at all these different ministries and all these different pastors and all these different preachers and say, hey, do I need to be like that or do I need to be like this? No, I just need to be Josh Farmer and let God use me how he sees fit. And I began to look at all those things, and I began to think, you know, it's not about all the, the popularity. It's not about all the program. It's not about all of this or all of that. It's just very simply keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus. Can I share with you, young people, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Purpose in your heart that God would be the center of your life. 
You see, in Daniel chapter number 1, notice with me if you would, this is what Nebuchadnezzar was looking for. In verse number 4, he's looking for children in whom was no blemish. They had no defects. They were, they were perfect in his eyes, if you would, but well-favored. They were good-looking and skillful in all wisdom. They were smart there. They were cunning in knowledge. They were well-educated and understanding in science. They had discernment. They were able to do things. And these were the children that were head and shoulders above everyone else. That's what he was looking for. And so you fall into verse number 8, and you see that Daniel, and you see, begin to see that Hananiah and Shadrach and Mishael and, and all these different individuals that, they, that goes on to mention in verse number 7. Daniel was the name of Belshazzar. And to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. In verse number 8, he purposed in his heart. You don't know why I believe truly that Daniel purposed in his heart because he understood that God had a purpose for him. You go to chapter number 6, you see that. You go to chapter number 8, you go all through the book of Daniel, and you'll find that Daniel understood that God had a greater purpose in his life. Can I share with you, my prayer is that my children, the children of this church, the young people of this church, that they would understand that God truly does have a purpose. Can I share with you this morning, there are some homes here. And you might be thinking, oh, we're just another home. No, God has a purpose for your home, for your family. What a testimony. Whenever I'm out, sometimes I will go and, and, and preach out or occasionally I'll cross paths with someone who knows a, a family in our church. And as we cross those paths, sometimes the connection will be made there of how do we know each other, who do we know, do we know anybody alike. And sometimes there is a family that is brought up. And as that family is brought up, the, the other individual might say, oh, I just love those people. There's a testimony right there. Can I share with you, what a surprise to have Miss Cherish and Brother Wyatt here. And some of you don't know them. They moved out to California a couple of years ago, but they were some of the biggest blessings while they were here. A uh, family, as I have said before, once you're a part of Gateway Baptist Church, you're a part of Gateway Baptist Church. And uh, you remember the 50,000 campaign. I was just making Miss, Miss Cherish was a part of some of that on, on the weekdays and going out and handing out. You say, well, what's the big deal? They're just another family. No, they're a family that made a, an impact on this ministry right here. God used them and is continuing to use them. This morning, as you come to this portion of Scripture, could I encourage you not only pray that your child finds that they need to purpose their heart, that the Lord has a purpose for them, but can I share with you that it starts with salvation. If there's a young person here this morning that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, pray that they get that settled. With tears in Jackson's eyes, he accepted Christ as his personal Savior a couple of months ago. And can I share with you, I, I, I love that my son loves to shoot a basketball because I love basketball. We're able to connect on sports. I love that. But I would take my son's salvation over him shooting a basketball well any day of the day. Any day. And as you think about your children, you think about parenting your children, can I encourage you that you would pray that they would accept Christ as their personal Savior? In Psalm 119, verse 105, a verse we all know, the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I believe some of these young people today know the Lord's purpose for them. Can I encourage you not only pray the Lord shows them the purpose, but that they are obedient to that purpose. I don't know how many men and women that we've come across over the last couple of years who who didn't obey the Lord and didn't follow God's will and 
have regretted every day since. We see the Lord has a purpose for every single one of these young men and these young ladies. The Lord has a purpose for those children. The Lord has a purpose for them. As you come to chapter number 1, verse number 8, the Bible says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. As you come to this portion of scripture, not only do you see that we ought to pray that these children would find that they need to purpose their heart, but number two, we need to pray that these children would understand that we are praying for them to have a pure heart. A pure heart. You say, what's the big deal if they don't have a pure heart? Well, let's see here. Undefiled uh, hearts lead to undefiled living. Pure hearts lead to pure living. As you come to this portion of Scripture right here, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Well, what's the big deal, Daniel? Everyone else is doing it. No, 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 no. No, no, no. See, Nebuchadnezzar may be king, but I serve a greater king. I serve one who is head and shoulders above him. And as you come to this portion of Scripture, you come to realize that in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 22, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Scripture, or through the spirit of unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In Daniel chapter number 6, as you go to see, it speaks of him being innocent. It speaks of the heart that he had. And as you come to this portion of Scripture, we need to pray that these young people would understand that, hey, there's always going to be defilement over there, but that's not what God has intended for them. You know, I'm so thankful that whenever I was growing up, my parents, my stepdad was just blunt. He'd tell me if I was wrong. If I smarted off to my mom, he'd say, hey, that's wrong. If I, if I slipped up and said something I shouldn't have said, he'd say, hey, we don't say that in this household. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that along the way, I remember having some individuals in my life that the Lord has allowed me to glean some truths from. I'm thankful for my mom and my, my stepdad. I'm thankful for my father-in-law and my mother-in-law. My, my father-in-law, whenever his two daughters wanted to date, my father-in-law basically put it this way, you're allowed to date, you're allowed to court, rather, what they were allowed to do, but you're not, Jesse was not allowed to date Zach Newman, Kelly was not allowed to date Josh Farmer, two they married. And I remember there were some times whenever we, we, we had some training sessions, if you would, un, un, uh, unplanned training sessions, because we just would say stuff that you just say. I remember there were times whenever my, my father-in-law would say, hey, we don't say that. And you've seen him. He's shorter, bald, a little intimidating sometimes. He just look at him. We don't say that. A little squeak in the voice. But I'm thankful for it. Because he began to help me to understand, and many of the men in, that were, were helping me to understand that, hey, defiled living is always going to be right there. You want to go and live... In the pits, it's always right there. But you want to see all that God has for you? Then you have to purpose in your heart. It ain't easy either. Anyone who says living right is an easy thing to do ain't, ain't trying real hard because it's not always easy. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's the hard decisions. But it's worth it. Number three, could I encourage you to pray that your child would have a heart that is based upon the principles of God's Word. 
Notice with me, as you continue reading this portion of Scripture, notice what verse number 8 actually says. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink, for why should ye, he see your faces worse liking than the child which are of the sort? Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days. And let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that eat of the portions of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servant. So he goes on and he consents to all of this. Verse number 17. Fast forward. As for these four children, notice the very next word, God. When you go to chapter number 6, you'll find that there is a time where the Bible says that God was with Daniel. You'll go and you'll look in the lines then, God was with Daniel. You'll go and see that they were trying to find some guilty charges against Daniel and said, you're not allowed to pray to any other God. What's Daniel do? Opens the windows and prays. Why? Because he knew God would take care of him. You see, there was a greater, I shared this, I can't remember either on Wednesday or in Sunday school, but it's true today. There was a greater yes burning inside of Daniel. You see, one of the things that you'll find to be true is that whenever you put away all the filth and whenever you get away from all of the sin and whenever you give your life to God, that there begins to be a, a greater yes burning inside of you so that when temptation is right there, it no longer has a stronghold on you because you said, God, I am all yours now. Can I share with you, that's what I pray that these young people would find. That they would say, hey, the world is always going to be right there attacking and trying to get into the home and trying to get into my life, but God, I am yours, so give me the grace that I need. What a blessing it would be to have these young people stay in the church and serve the Lord and say, you know what, one of the things that I grew up to understand was that God had a purpose for me, and so therefore I surrendered my life to Him. And as they have children, that they would teach those children. You see, but there are principles that you find. In Exodus chapter number 20, verses 1 through 5, you'll find that they need to base those principles on the Word of God. You say, so, so you're saying not necessarily the, 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 the books that they can get their hands on. No, 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 the book that they can get their hand on. The book. May our children grow to love the Word of God because they are introduced to the Word of God in such a way that it's not just a bunch of stories, but it's the truth that they can live in base their life upon. You know, I, I pray that the children in our church and the, the young people in our church would say, you know what, I love the Word of God, not because I own a copy of it, because it's real. It's alive. I believe that they need to develop a principled heart in their life and pray about this because of the home that they are brought up in. I look back, and there were days when I might have disagreed with my parents and maybe there's a home here today, and it's a, a home that is really struggling. Can I share with you that there's still hope? The hope is found in the Lord. 
And maybe you're here today and you're really struggling. Maybe your home is just dysfunctional and you're, you're, you're saying, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say, turn your eyes upon Jesus and, and give that to the Lord. Say, from this moment on, uh, look, our, our home has been dysfunctional. It's been focused on self and selfishness and all of these things. But from this moment on, God, you are the center of the home. There were some decisions that were made whenever I was growing up that, that I understood that, hey, God is to be given preeminence and God is to be given priority. There were some things that I look back now and I see in my wife's home and I say, hey, God was a priority in that home. Not because her dad was a pastor, because they were Christians. You see, this whole, well, you, it's easy for you, you're a pastor. No, it's harder as a matter of fact. There's always, any, any time that I stand behind this pulpit and try to encourage these young people or try to encourage you, Satan's got a target on my back waiting. He's got a, a target on the fathers here today. He's got a target on the mothers here today. He's just waiting for one little time there for you to slip up where he can get your child. A couple of weeks ago, I can't remember when it was. It was after, I can't remember when it was, but... I was texting, we, Ms. Kelly and I were texting a parent, and the parent said, the devil's not getting my children. Can I share with you, I've got two, two sets of brothers here right now. Um, let's see here. Give me all four of you for a minute. Come here. I'm going to illustrate this for you for just a moment. You two brothers come over here. You two brothers come over here. Y'all get real, real, real close, okay? Y'all get real close. Real, I mean real close. Real close, yep, to me, real close. Let me illustrate it this way, and I'll illustrate it with both of you. Bend over. Maybe some parents would walk around, not, not like this, but like this. Hey, pull on these two boys. Pull on them. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Good night. If that wasn't blowing your ears out, I held on. You ain't getting my child. You ain't getting my child. Maybe some parents would hold on to those babies and say, not today, Satan. That hurt? You know all those whoopings you get? They hurt too, but they're for you good. Some parents would say, not my child. But they wouldn't just hold on to him. Let's go to the Bible. Come here. We'd hold on to him, but we'd also say, listen, this is why. You see this right here? This book, if you hide it right here, will change your life. Look, I, I'm a pastor now, and I thank God for it. But I remember growing up and my parents reading the Word of God, and, and I remember walking past the room and hearing them praying for me. I remember the times whenever God began to deal with my heart, and, and I began to pray about pastoring or preaching, and my stepdad looked at me and said, "Are you? that's a serious thing. That's no joke, is what he said. And I remember sitting there and thinking, God, this is what you have for my life. My parents, we would sit down, we'd do devotions. My stepdad was real. And by real, I mean he was honest about some things. I remember whenever my stepdad, at an early age, he said at the age of 17, the Lord had called him to preach. So guess what he did? 
He ran from God. Telling him, hey, I'm called to preach, he sat me down and said, hey, so was I. And I ran. And I did some things that I shouldn't have done. I had some parents in the home that were saying, hey, don't do this, don't do that, stick with God, and I ran as far as I could from them. I ran as far as I could from God. And he looks back, and now he's got a 17-year-old son who's looking at him saying, hey, I think I'm called to preach. I can imagine as he's sitting there, he's thinking, full circle. And he stands there, he says, this is no joke. He said, if you're called to preach, preach. And I remember growing up in a home where, no, we're not, we weren't perfect. But I knew my parents were praying for me. And I knew my parents loved me. And I knew my parents said, hey, I want my child to live for God. When the doors of the church were open, we were there. Revivals, even after early mornings coming the next day, we were there. Anything that was going on that was going to be a spiritual help to us, we were there. Because God was a priority. You say, I want my children to purpose in their hearts. Let me ask you this for just a moment. How many parents today need to purpose in their heart? Oh, I want my children to, but not me. No, 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 no. May we have some families that purpose in their heart. Number four, and finally we see this. Can I encourage you to pray that your child would have a prepared heart? Your children need to be prepared to fight those spiritual battles. Listen, if Daniel wasn't able to live in Jerusalem, how was he going to live for, in, for God in Babylon? You know, we live in a, in, a, in a day and age right this very moment when we're expecting our kids to go out into Babylon and live, but they're living like the devil in the church. Families are living like the devil in the church. And we say, oh, well, my child needs to take a stand for God whenever they're out there in the world. Well, if they're not going to take a stand for God in the church, why do we think they're going to take a stand for God out there? We say, well, uh, it's just different. We expect it. They know better. Well, they do know better, but they need to start taking a stand for God in the church. We need some parents and some homes to start taking a stand for God in the church. Pray for those spiritual battles. Go with me, if you would, Galatians chapter number 5 for just a moment. In Galatians chapter number 5, we come to a familiar portion of Scripture. Verse number 16 is a very clear verse. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. Today, we come to the book of Daniel, and we're praying, Lord, I want my children to purpose in their heart. And you say, well, what, what can we do? Parent them. Jackson and Holly and, and Charlie, one of the things that I remember growing up and I can look back and see is that in the home, my parents were my parents. Now that I'm a parent, they're still my parents, but it's different. I'm thankful that whenever I was growing up that I didn't have my, my stepdad didn't try to be so cool that he didn't parent me. And my mom didn't try to be so cool that she didn't parent me. Could I encourage you, we ask ourselves this question concerning walking the Spirit, what are you feeding on a daily basis? 
And what are they feeding on a daily basis? You see, one of the things that we have to ask ourselves often is what are we giving our time to and what are we giving to as a whole? We've taken as a church this theme, given. Every single day you get to decide if you want to be given to the Lord or not. And we can, we can sit here and we can say, hey, I want, I want, I want, I want my child to be given to the Lord. But if we're not putting the, the steps forward and the effort steps forward, then they're going to miss it. Walk in the Spirit. You come to Daniel chapter 1. Five words that are very, very simple. The word purpose there means to determine. To fix. And there's going to come a day, and I pray that as my children get out of the home and as your children get out of the home, that as they get out of the home, that they weren't just playing the part. The book of Chronicles, it talks about play the man. Another portion of, I believe, the Kings, it talks about a group of individuals who are just playing games with God. And I'm sad to say that there are far too many Christians who are just playing games with God. We come to the house of God and we sit there and we might even occasionally say amen. We might even get up and we might even sing in the choir. We might even do certain things, but we're still just playing games with God. My prayer is that these young people and the children and those who come through the doors of the church and the families that are represented would say, you know what? I want my children to purpose in their heart. So it's going to start with me. We have some parents here, some moms and dads who would purpose in their heart. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, well, my, my, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a single individual that's parenting. Well, listen, purpose in your heart. Well, my, my spouse doesn't come to church. Purpose in your heart. Give yourself to God. You say, well, what's the big deal? I don't know, but Daniel was found ten times better. And may we not look at that verse and say ten times better and say, oh, so you're saying your child is better than mine. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the perspective was different. They said, no, we're giving to God. Lord, we do thank you today. Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy. Lord, I pray that you be with the parents here today. Lord, there is no doubt in my mind that there are some moms and dads here that are, that are broken. May we purpose in our hearts and therefore allow our children to see what a purposed heart looks like. I pray that you guide us and direct us. Lord, I pray that you be with the mothers here. Lord, I know that they face some battles on a daily basis. I pray that you would lift them up and encourage them, give them the strength that they need. And I pray for the husbands here and the dads, Lord, that you would use them to encourage the moms and, Lord, that they would lead the home like they're supposed to. And Lord, that you would strengthen the families and the homes that are represented today. Lord, we need you. I pray that you'd help us. We'd have some parents here today who would say, not today, Satan. Not my child. That they'd raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That they'd raise them up to know what a personal relationship is. That they'd point them to Jesus. They'd give them the tools. They'd train them. They'd teach them. They'd show them. But they'd also live it out. And I pray that you'd help us and guide us, direct us, and we'll thank you for it. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.
Would you stand with me, heads bowed and eyes closed. Today, maybe we have some young people who want to spend some